views expressed on this broadcast of Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety with Dr. Alan Berger do not necessarily reflect those of Take 12 Radio, KHLT Recovery Broadcasting, or our affiliates. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, Dr. Alan Berger and the Monty Man. Well, welcome, family. Uh, welcome to another episode of Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety. Dr. Alan Berger is with us once again. Dr. Berger, how the heck are you, my friend? Well, I am fine uh, this evening, Monty. This is a, a week that we've all been uh, thinking about things we're grateful for, and you and this show uh, are two of the things on my list. Well, thank you, thank you so much, and that that sure does go likewise. I um, I brag about you a lot because I've learned so much, and uh, and I just am so appreciative of, of all the work that you do, and and uh, the amount that you've con- you know we we don't know how much we contribute in other people's lives. We just don't we, we just don't realize it sometimes. Um, you know, we 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 influence people, and we're going to influence people. Either for good or for bad, but we are going to influence them, right? That's right. Yeah, True. You, you you bet. Okay, so uh, the last time that that we broadcast step uh, step by step, uh, we we talked about uh, the topic was emotional sobriety and the steps, and we launched forth forth with that. So <clears throat> why don't you t- take us on a little review, and then we'll pick up uh, this week and continue All with right. this thing. Well, well, one of the things that we're talking about is that the 12 and 12 really is just an incredible text in terms of how it extends and broadens and deepens the application of the 12 steps. Right. Uh, I think, as I mentioned last time, I was up in New England at the New England Professional Group Recovery Conference, and I was one of the speakers up there. And another speaker was Fred Holmquist from... Hazelton from the Lodge at the Dan Anderson Renewal Center. And uh, Fred said that he really believes that because the steps, the 12 and 12, was written 17 years after the big book, is that Bill really incorporated in that version of the, his, or in his discussions of the steps, what he was learning about dealing with emotions. Because, you know, that's the big challenge for us, isn't it, Money? Is yeah. After we put the plug in the jug, after we're clean, you know, we, we've gotten past the what we call stage one, the getting clean stage, stage one recovery. And now we're into somehow being able to stay clean and live clean. And those two things, those next that next stage, which is called stage two recovery, has to do with really learning how to manage our emotions, to deal with our emotions. Because, you know, when I look back at my history, and I was doing some writing today, and I just realized it's just how poorly I've dealt with my feelings most of my life. Mm. And, and I, just, I just never had any idea of what was the best way to handle some of the things I was experiencing and some of the feelings I was having. And in recovery, I started to, you know, learn a lot more about how to deal with with these feelings and and I think the steps can be a great guide to help us understand that. So last time we started to talk about 
emotional sobriety in the 12 and 12, and I quoted some passages from the steps. We went through step three, and we were working our way still through step four. So I just want to pick up step four and talk a little bit about that and add a few more passages to our discussion. So the first one is this. It says, step four is our vigorous and painstaking effort to discover what these liabilities in each of us have been and are. So Bill wasn't just talking about the past. He's saying that these, these our problems are continuing on in our recovery. He goes, we want to find out how and when and where our natural desires have warped us. We wish to look squarely at the unhappiness that this has caused others and ourselves. So here we are in this step four is what we're looking at is, is what is our, what are our emotional liabilities? And one of the things Bill helped us see in the letter that he wrote and was published in the grapevine in 1958 is that our main emotional liability is our emotional dependence on other people, on circumstances, for our prestige, for our security, and the like. See, that's what Bill helped us realize. Now, what this says, where have our natural desires have warped us? There's nothing wrong with enjoying somebody's validation, right. enjoying somebody's feedback, telling you you did a great job, you know, being able to feel good about being successful. But see, we've taken this to the extreme. If we don't get that validation, then we feel like we're nothing. Right, right. If a situation doesn't turn out the way that we hoped it would turn out, then we're knocked off balance and we don't know how to regain our balance. So this is where it says, how can we now bring ourselves back into balance? See, we've gotten warped, we've gotten skewed in many directions, and now emotional sobriety is about learning how to face ourselves and face our emotions and to try to get ourselves back into balance. The show we're going to do next time is going to be 12 stupid things that can mess up your holidays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we're going we're gonna to go through, you know, how people set themselves up to really have a terrible time during this. And look, in, this, in the spirit of all of that, and I'm glad you chuckled, is what we're really trying to do is help people see is what goes on. You know, what are some of these rules we have? What are some of the things that this emotional dependency that we have, Bill called it the absolute dependence we have, what has that done to ourselves and to others? And that's what we're unpacking, and we're going to talk more about that in this show. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so here's another piece of step four. It says nearly every serious emotional problem can be seen as a case of misdirected instinct. Yeah. When that happens, our great natural assets, the instincts, have turned into physical and mental liability. So this just reinforces what we said before. You see, we just get so out of balance in this whole thing that, that, that you know, we just, it's very hard to, to maintain any kind of serenity or peace of mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's the next piece that I, I want to read now. It, okay. it, step four says this, by discovering what our emotional deformities are, we can move, toward, move towards their correction. Without a willing and persistent effort to do this, there can be little sobriety or contentment for us. So here's, here's the call to action that we're really being, you know, given in step four, 
is we've got to sit down and we've got to face ourselves as we've never faced ourselves before. You see, none of us wanted to get dishonest with ourselves. And look, most people don't, Monty, unless they have this fatal illness and they've accepted the consequences of it. So out of desperation, right, out of our need to survive, we start to do these things. Now, I believe that there's another mo- another motivation that takes over, and you and I have talked about that. That's the growth motivation. Mm. It's motivation to actualize, you know, our possible self, make that our real self. Right, and right. So, Here's that call, looking at our emotional deformity. So I, I tell people all the time, only the best in you can see the worst in you. So when you're looking at yourself and you're seeing things about, you know, your behavior, your reactions that you don't like, it's the best of you that's looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's people right now cringing. You know that, right? <laughs> no, I, it's, this is tough. I mean, you know, Eli Lilly wants to be our sponsor so they can pass out Prozac. But yeah, really. <laughs> no, you and I know that pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth. My yeah. sister and I were talking about that the other night. Is that we understand that when we're in pain, that there's going to be some great growth that's going to take place, and we've got to develop what I like. This one fellow, Doctor. David Starch called, we've got to develop a meaningful endurance to our pain, which means that we have to understand that if we endure it in the right way, in a therapeutic way, it's going to add so much meaning to our life. And that's what we're hoping some of the listeners are able to do with the shows that we're, we've been presenting for them. Mm-hmm. But here's another piece of step four. So it says, for most of us, self-justification was the maker of excuses. Yeah. Excuses, of course, for drinking. And for all kinds of crazy, crazy and damaging conduct, we had made the invention of alibi a fine art. Wow. I know, and that is such a powerful thing. Mm. See, so what we do is that when we react, we typically blame other people. Well, I reacted this way because of what you did. So we end up playing this tit-for-tat game, yeah. and we end up saying that, you know, if you would have done better, we would have done better, which is a total, total deflection of any person. Oh, man, is it ever? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you yeah. know, you know we're, we're not owning anything when we're playing that game, and unfortunately, we've done this, especially to those people that we love. You know, it's, it's a sad fact that we treat those people that are closest to us the worst. We don't treat strangers as bad, typically. As uh, you know, I, and I got I to gotta interject here because uh, this is something that comes up this time of year in many families. Uh, you know, and, and I, I've experienced it. It's something I've experienced with some of my family members in the past. And, and I will say, to give them credit, things have changed a lot uh, over the years and things have gotten much much better. And my perception of things has changed, which has allowed me to... Uh, become thick-skinned and tender-hearted instead of being so mostly dependent on other people's approval. Right yep. um, but but this this thing about um, you know some even families that claim to be close will you'll hear it you'll hear somebody say you know what you treat your friends better than yeah. you treat your own sister. Right. That's right. Yep. Why do we do that? Why? Why? I mean, it, I mean, is it because we have a security and we think they'll always oh, love us no matter what? 
There's a very good reason for it, Monty, and the yeah. reason is is that, see, as somebody becomes more important to us, it becomes harder to hold on to ourselves. So if our maturity doesn't keep pace with the level or the increasing degree of importance that a person is taking in our life, yeah. then we start to become dependent on that person. You see, uh, mature love is based on union with the preservation of integrity. Right. But immature love is based on dependency, on emotional dependency. So what happens is, is that as we become dependent on that person, now we start generating a lot of rules about how they're supposed to behave. And when they don't go along with one of our rules, right, when they follow their own path, right, instead of doing what we want them to do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's justified in, in, in making them feel bad about that, so that we try to manipulate them into doing what we want them to do. You see, and that's what, when we mature, we stop regulating other people and we start regulating ourselves. I mean, there's no better way for me right. to say that. I, I get that. But, but why, why, does, why does brother treat his, his next-door neighbor with more respect than his own mom. Yeah, yeah, right, because he's dependent on his mom. Because he's dependent on his mom. mom pushes his certain buttons, then he's going to be reacting to that. See, okay. Because what this emotional dependency does, Lonnie, it, it really drops us into our lowest self. We drop to the lowest common denominator inside. Wow, we sure do. And our behavior is, is very, <clears throat> is, so, you know, is... Really poor. So let me let me ask you this question, Doctor Berger. Uh, so you got you got the son who's treating his mom poorly, worse than his neighbor who he barely knows, um, and you're saying that that his neglect of neglecting his mom, treating her poorly, is actually a product of being dependent upon her to act a certain way. That's right. Right. He wants her to do what he wants her to do, and when she doesn't do it. He goes ahead and feels justified in, um, you know, reading her the riot act or whatever he does. Yeah, yeah. You see, another part of what's step four, so you'll hear it. When I read this passage, it says, it never occurred to us that we needed to change ourselves to meet conditions, whatever they were. You see, we kept looking at how we, or a better way to say it is, we tried to change conditions to make us feel better. Right. We never realized that we had to change ourselves to make us feel better. Right, right. When I'm so focused on what they're doing, now I'm focused on what they need to do differently so that I'm okay. Yeah. That's where all of our energy goes. You know, in, in, um, in neuro-linguistic programming, they say where you focus is where your energy goes. When you focus your energy on what other people are doing and how they're treating you, and when you make your emotional well-being dependent on their behavior, then you are caught, and you're going to start to play the blame game. Now, this is a great thing. I love this line. It says, this is another passage from Step 4. It says, we learned that if we were seriously disturbed, our first need was to quiet that disturbance. Doesn't that sound like self-regulation? Yeah, it does. Right? We need to quiet that disturbance regardless of who or what we thought caused it. So, I mean, take that in for a minute. This is what we're talking about. You see, I am responsible for my well-being. 
I am responsible for my emotions, for how I'm reacting. So instead of looking to other people to change, I've got to see what I need to do to quiet myself, to develop that quiet mind and calm heart. See, that's the goal of emotional sobriety, so that I am able to stay in balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what, what the environment is doing, what an institution is doing, what a principal says, or what an individual is doing. Whenever I am disturbed, there is something wrong with me. Now, let me ask you. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Uh, not a lot of wiggle room in that, is there, money? There is not. There is not. <laughs> not um, you know, it's like the, we don't get any slack on this thing. It doesn't say sometimes when I'm disturbed or something wrong. Yeah. It says whenever I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. And there's a di- and some people and I used to I used to not understand this, but there is some people say, well, what about when I see, <clears throat> you know those those gut wrenching commercials about homeless pets? You ever ever seen those on TV? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, those come on and I I just my 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 heart breaks. Um, that's or or seeing a, a a homeless child or somebody being abused or that's not a disturbance we're talking about that that's a matter oh, of no. your that's, of your spirit being sensitive that's to some emotional reaction and a reaction right and that's perfectly I'm talking natural about when i get upset when i start to develop a resentment right right so that, I, yeah that's what we're talking about you know Stepped on my toes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Now, yeah. that's the kind of disturbance we're talking See, but what I used to do, Dr. Berger, is when I would get disturbed, I would say, because I knew that it was natural and good to have an emotional response to somebody else's, you know, uh, unfortunate circumstances, I would, I would switch that around. I'd manipulate that, and I would tell people, well, I'm not really resentful. What I'm just feeling is, is I have a heart for you. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Oh, that's, we call that spiritual bypass. <laughs> you use spirituality to get them. Right, that's, no. that's, that's right. It's like instead of gossiping, how can we, how can we pray for so-and-so? Let me, tell me the details. There you go. That's, that's a great way. You know, and that's, that's part of that. That's, the, that's our lowest common denominator, right? Yep. And I'm using great stuff like that you know, to serve my ego and I'm in, I'm in trouble, man. Oh, man. Not in the spirit. Uh, Dr. Berger, we're going to take a break. And okay. when we come back, we'll continue with this, the discussion. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey there, it's the Monty Man. And I hate doing this, but I need to bring it up. Listen, our programming is always for fun and for free for you, our listeners. But it is not free for us to maintain our studios, to maintain our equipment, to pay our bills, Every single month. Nobody here gets paid. The entire staff, all the co-hosts, this is all volunteer. But to keep us on the air, we do have financial obligations. Won't you consider a donation to Take 12 Recovery Radio? If you would preferably consider that, we would so appreciate it. And so would so many. Simply visit us at Take12Radio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and on the left-hand side... Click on the donate button. There you'll see the directions on how to make a donation and contribute to this vital venture of helping break the stigma of addiction and promote recovery. Thanks in advance for your consideration and God bless. Hey, check it out. You can now access all of our shows from a variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, 
iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, YouTube, Podomatic, and Player FM. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio and you'll be tuned into the best in recovery broadcast journalism. Also available at Take12Radio.com. Hey there, this is Pastor Sean Silveri from the Oregon Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God, and you are listening to the recovery talk and positive music of Take 12 Recovery Radio. All right, so we, we've been talking, listeners, about emotional sobriety and the steps, and we've, uh, we've been focusing on step four. You, you said that you made a statement, the invention of uh, alibis, it, it becomes a fine art. Wow. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, it's, 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 and we do. I mean, you know, you know, we we don't take responsibility for what we're doing, and a big part of recovery is learning to take responsibility, and also learning some tools. Mm-hmm. We can learn to soothe ourselves, to quiet our mind, to calm our heart. You know, and, and you know, through you know, the, you know, some of the future shows, we're going to talk more and more about what are some of the ways people can do that. Well, let me share another tidbit from Step 4, another excerpt. It says, to see how erratic emotions victimized us often took a long time. I mean, just take that in. See, Mm. see, Bill was recognizing that that this process, this this people-growing process, it's not like instant oatmeal. You don't just add water and (laughs) we're done. It takes a lot of work and cultivation You know, we're told over and over again that more is going to be revealed. So to see how our emotions, these erratic emotions victimized us, how our emotional dependency victimized us, often took a long time. First of all, we had to admit that we had many of these defects, even though such disclosures were painful and humiliating. Dr. Dr. Berger, so many people... (laughs) They just, they, for whatever reason, just never get past uh, a couple of exercises in working these steps. And, and they, they, why is and that? They're, they're really ripping themselves off, money. I mean, they are, yeah. you know, depriving themselves of the incredible benefits when you seriously approach and, and honestly take these steps. I mean, the the therapeutic value of them, and some show we can even go into that, is just is just phenomenal. It man. is phenomenal. Well, listen, here's another one. L- listen to this. It says, where other people were concerned, another passage from step four, we had to drop the word blame from our language. This required great willingness to begin. Well, it sounds like I'm reading to people from a psychology text. You know, people would be surprised if they just yeah. tuned in and heard that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't know offhand that that's from the 12 and 12. But see, that's the power of the steps. The steps are harnessing a lot of great psychological principles. Yeah, they are. Take responsibility for yourself, getting honest with yourself, looking at yourself, becoming aware of what you're doing. These are all tried and true principles of any effective psychotherapy. And this thing about dropping the word uh, blame from our vocabulary, that includes even if the other person is at fault, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, our job is not to blame them. It's to see what we can do to take care of ourselves, to soothe ourselves, to calm ourselves, to not take it personal. I mean, if there's one thing I would tell 
our listeners to really develop a practice of on a daily basis is if you're upset, try to see the other person and what they're doing is not something they did to you, that it's just what they're doing. Emotion makes us take things personal. We really personalize all this stuff, and it's not personal. My mentor, Kempler, used to say all the time, to be more personal, you have to stop taking things personal. Right, I love that. Yeah, I've, I've used that quote a lot since, since yeah, we've I, met. You know, I say that a lot because yeah. that was one of the things that Walter said to me that just helped me find a way to, to hold on to myself and keep my balance. <clears throat> let, let, let me... Uh, let me... Let me address an issue here that is quite painful for some folks. Um, you know, when you're working with a sponsor or a spiritual advisor or a mentor or whatever, and, and, and it's all surrounded around the 12-step model, we hear this this statement a lot, you know, okay, what was your part? We need to find your part. Um, is there ever a situation, and, and I'm... I'll just say which one, what it is, what it is. Um, I've had several people say, well, what about sexual abuse? Because my sponsors came to me and says, well, you know, I know you were, you were abused sexually when you were younger. What's your part? I have a hard time with that. Yeah, well, I do too. And because, you know, obviously kids are victims of these things. Yeah. But what what we can say is this, Monty, is though, some of us have been victims of some of these heinous acts from other people. Right. The truth is, is that we're responsible to try to heal those wounds. And, and that becomes our part. If we're not stepping up and finding a way to empower ourselves, that that becomes our part. Mm-hmm. You see, if we mm-hmm. go ahead and, and, let's say, somehow hide behind being a victim, and don't take it as how we're being challenged by life. You know, I'll remind our listeners about, you know, Dr. Frankel's work, who was a psychiatrist at Auschwitz, right? And he looked at who survived and who didn't. And it was the men that, and women that were able to let go of their expectations about what should be happening and instead saw themselves as people that were being challenged by life and that meaning in their life came from meeting the challenge. Mm. So so in this situation, how that would be applied if somebody was victimized by a sexual molestation is now your challenge is, is to find a way to deal with that and to handle it because it's what happened. Yeah. And and you need to find a way to deal with your feelings, to be able to cope with what went on and to to find a way to get balance back in your life. Now, Tian Dayton has a great book on emotional sobriety, and it's for that situation. It's how emotional sobriety applies to dealing with trauma. And um, I've even believed recently he had Jamie on the show with uh, Dan Griffin, right? Right, right, yep. And Jamie talks a lot. Her book is about how the 12 steps address and deal with uh, trauma. So there's a lot of, of tools and ways that people can start to work with that. But here's the issue. It's how do we convert being a victim into being a hero, right? See, that's what we're mm. looking for, the transformation from victim to hero or heroine. That's what emotional sobriety is about. 
So, so a person that has been abused like that, they don't they don't have a part in in what was uh, done to them, no. but they the can't. They suffered their victims of that, right? But they can't they can have a part in not succeeding to overcome this pain yeah. by detaching themselves from what works. Yep, that's right. By, yeah. not, by not picking it up, because for yeah. whatever reason, they're getting something out of being a victim. And there's people talk about secondary gain, what's the payoff, all these other kinds of things. And there's a lot that one can get from holding on to a problem and not addressing it. You know, people, it's one way to get people to uh, give them special consideration in a relationship and stuff like that. I've seen many women dealing with that. Um, really struggle with their sexuality mm-hmm. and with mm-hmm. intimacy issues. And I understand that the wound has created that. But once again, the problem is not the problem. The problem is how we're dealing with it. Yeah. So that's yeah. what we're so responsible for. How do I deal with this stuff? So true. Uh, I'm going to tell myself, uh, years ago <clears throat> in my uh, middle school or some call it junior high school days, uh, Dr. Berger, and you and I have talked about how at one time I, w- I was so dependent on other people's approval. Um, I told some people that I have leukemia. Wow. And um, I, you know, when I did it, even then when I did it, I thought I was disgusted with myself that I did that. But I, it was almost like I couldn't not do it. And I, I, I told a couple people, well, then it kind of got around and it got back to my folks and I was in hot water, you know. Um, and I look back now and I'm thinking, what was going on with me? Well, I, I, I was not feeling, I was not feeling like I was getting, um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to use the word attention. I think that, that, that well, kind of minimizes. You were feeling, you weren't getting more, you were feeling like you didn't belong. I felt like I didn't belong. I, I, I wanted somebody to love me. And if that meant they, yeah. I had right. to create an illness for them to love me, Right. Then I would would do that, but but see what is so weird, Doctor Berger is, I grew up in a great house. I mean, I had my parents gave me all the love and attention, and they, they, they it wasn't it wasn't thwarted. I mean, uh, what in the heck was going on? Why did I feel well, listen, so they empty? They gave you all that, but one of the things that that our parents didn't give us because our parents don't know how right. is how to deal with our emotions. Right, right. So while they can give you all that love, they can give you all those other things, it doesn't teach you how do I deal with my insecurity? Mm-hmm. How do I deal with when I don't feel like I belong? Mm-hmm. How is it even okay for me to talk about that? You see, I mean, there's all of these other issues. So it really, in one sense, it's great that you had that, the love and all those other things. Yeah. But what was missing was still missing. Sure, sure. Sure. And you know, and here's the deal. Here, Here's the thing, listeners. I want you to hear me because I know there's some of you that have written me. Oh, I just can't seem to get myself going on doing these steps and getting into it. Let me tell you, <clears throat> you know, I had I had a relationship with my higher power. I was in ministry. I was doing and it. it it was even in the middle of that stuff that I was so emotionally dependent on other people's approval to be okay with myself. It wasn't until somebody took my hand and walked me through this process uh, with this 12-step model that I actually – it was almost like one day I said, you know what? I'm not acting like that anymore. What happened? 
I became a different person. It was such a healing process. I look back at it now, and there was a time I, I couldn't, I felt very uncomfortable even talking about it. Now I revel in talking about it because I know there's a solution. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, listen to step seven. Here, here's what step seven says, right? Step seven is humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Mm-hmm. As we reluctantly come to grips with those serious character flaws that made problem drinkers of us in the first place. Yeah. Flaws which must be dealt with to prevent a retreat into alcoholism once again. So here we are, the importance of facing these things. How did we try to manipulate other people to get what we thought we needed? I did the same thing you did. I tried to, I, you know, I tried to act and be somebody I wasn't to get people to love and accept me. And it's, it's really sad when we look back and see that that's what we, we came up with as our best solution, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I know. And see, and this is when we start talking about these things and getting honest and looking at, at these things that we did. See, a lot of people let the shame about the fact that they did things like that stop them from talking about it and owning it. Right. And here we come back to the real important thing in this program is to understand that when I face these things, I'm not taking away from myself, I'm adding to myself. That's right. Adding to my character. That's right. right? I'm developing my character. I'm helping myself develop the best possible attitude. That's what steps six and seven are about, Monty, is developing the best possible attitude towards ourselves, towards life, towards our problems, towards our, you know, those people that we care about. I mean, it's, it's you know, I just love this program. i got to tell you that. <laughs> I just love it because it's so amazing to me. So we'll leave them with one other thought about Step 8. And Step 8 says it is equally necessary that we extricate from an examination of our personal relations every bit of information about ourselves and our fundamental difficulties. See, our fundamental difficulties is this desire, right, that, that's got out of whack to be validated, to be loved, to be accepted. Yeah. So yeah. since defective relations with human beings have nearly always been the immediate causes of our woes, including our alcoholism, no field of investigation could yield more satisfying and valuable rewards than this one. Calm, thoughtful reflection on personal relations can deepen our insight. Well, wow. That's what we're hoping that people are doing by listening to our show and by taking a look at some of these issues that we've been discussing. Well, I, I tell you, it's been a journey. Has it has been a journey, and it's it's been it's helped me to communicate some of some of the things that I wanted to share with people, and I wasn't quite sure how to do it, and and this has really helped me to do that, and it's helped me to stand on my own two feet, and and I'm not going to go into it with the listeners, but you 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 know, I we've talked about some things. Business-wise, where um, realizing some of this stuff has helped me to step up to my own plate and say, no, that's not acceptable, and yes, that is, and we can talk about it, but this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> and, and not, and not oh, yeah, Listen, and I can hear the difference, you know, if I gave you some feedback. Mm. Because you're doing that, yeah. you are so much less depressed. Huh. You are so much more passionate now. Not that you've never, that you haven't always been passionate, but there was a an edge off of your passion, if you will. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I you're, could... re, 
you're recovering all of that excitement that you have for this program and for this journey that we are on. And it's because that you're doing a better job of taking care of yourself, Money. Well, thank you. Bless your heart, man. It's uh, yeah, Folks, you don't want to miss this thing. You really don't. I mean, that life... Life is for the living, not for the not for the dead. Don't don't walk around dead. Live your life. There's so much, and if you are hurt, if you feel like you're damaged goods, if you feel like you, there's just no light at the end of the tunnel, that is a lie. There is there is there is so much waiting for you out there, and we we encourage you to to write in. Uh, Doctor Berger's email address is abphd at msn.com. Ours is take twelve radio at comcast.net. My um. CD called Unpacking Bill's Letter has now is now posted on iTunes and is available for people to download. Oh, so cool. they can either get it on iTunes or they can get it on Amazon MP3 format. So, so um, if you really like what we're talking about in this show, get a hold of that CD, um, those tracks, because you're gonna it's gonna really um, reinforce and in some ways even deepen the discussion that Monty and I have had. Your mission, you don't get a lot of financial rewards from your work either. <laughs> and I just want to, I want everybody to hear that out there. Money is not living in a mansion up in Portland, Oregon, yeah. out on his 90-foot yacht every weekend. And, uh, you know, money is struggling to keep this show on the air. So, you know, please be generous with your donations and help support you know, take 12 radio. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I think I've, I've got a yacht, but I think it, I think it's my, my kid's little toy boat that he still has. Um, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yeah. all right. Not on his 90 foot yacht. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty man along with Dr. Allen Berger. And we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.